Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. On this particular day, we experienced something really special during our worship in our second service. This message came from a response to what God was doing in the room that day. After our service, we stuck around to pray and worship and spent the entire day responding to how God has been moving in our church. Man, it's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard uh, to preach when worship goes like that. And some of you aren't used to like maybe this kind of environment or maybe you're not even aware of what just happened. And that's okay, but I need to let you in on what's going on. There's some things stirring in a lot of us. You know, our worship team, they're weeping in the back (laughs) right now because God met them. God met with some of you in the, the beginning, and, and I, was, I could have kept worshiping. I didn't need to come up here. And what's, what's really unfortunate is I felt like the Lord say, preach a different sermon. Um, and, and I had a really good sermon with, with 66 slides. So now you have to podcast the first service because we're going to commit ourselves to the presence of the Lord. And, and, and a lot of times, like, it is what's been prepared way in advance, and that is being filled with the Spirit and being, and being full of the presence. And there are other times when he's like, I'm going to give you a title and nothing else. Um, but we're doing a prayer room, and uh, wh- why do I share this with you? Um, I, in 2021, at the end of 2021, December, the Lord just said to me, uh, turn the garden into a house of prayer. And at the time... We are losing our office space in downtown Long Beach, moving into Grace Brethren, and we were uh, just starting back, you know, gathering the first half of that year um, at Franklin, and our church was half the size it was when we when COVID started. Um, we are we were three hundred thousand dollars behind in our in our budget, and I was writing up plans for firing staff. Um, I was stressed out of my mind. January, the beginning of January, I was like, we're going to do one service. We're going to get off social media. I don't know what God's calling us to, but we know it's prayer. Um, and then within that year, God did amazing things. He, we planned in January these initiatives for the year. And one of the initiatives, we always do three, but I felt like he said do another called Vision Builders, which was basically a, a plan to get a building. We had no strategy for it. We actually didn't plan at all. Like we, we just had it as an initiative and we were eventually going to start thinking about it. And then God gave us a building and we moved in three weeks ago and we raised $400,000 in a couple of days. You guys have committed to give above and beyond and it you know took us four months to make this uh, he, uh, work for us. But since the Sunday we've been here, my heart has been burning. It's burning. We need to pray. I feel like Every day we don't have people praying. My, God's, God's like flashing. He's like, no, this is a house of prayer. This is a, I gave you the house. Now make it full of prayer. So my heart's burning. This week we sent some of our staff. Amanda was one of them. So was Daniel. They were leading worship. We sent him to Asbury. Because uh, I, I thought I was too old to go. Um, Seriously, I mean, part of it was I needed rest with my family because we've been busy. But the other part, I just felt like this is the next generation. We need to honor that. And we're really connected to some of the leaders there. 
So most people, you know, there's a nine-hour wait, but our team got to go and be on the ministry team because we're friends with some of the people leading behind the scenes. And they, were, they came back in tears. They all met with God. And it's amazing what God's doing. Like God's, God's pouring his spirit out. And it's not with a sexy worship leader who's famous. It's not with really clever slides or, or an LED screen. It's people hungry for Jesus. It's literally the most awkward transitions and the weirdest people talking and leading worship and people can't get enough of it because it's God. This week when they came, my wife and I had a conversation in the evening and it was, it was a rebuke. She rebuked me. And I'm not saying that because I had it figured out. It's what we do as spouses. When we're with Jesus, we, we say, hey, I'm going to hold up a mirror right now. This is not looking like the things that you're supposed to look like, like Jesus. And he's invited you into more. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I repented. And I heard the Lord so clearly say to me, you've been really good, Darren, at what I asked you to do. You've been building a church because I asked you to build it. You've pr- created a, a, an environment where you will respond to the Spirit. And people come up and they get ministry. And you have trained people and people have trained in ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. But you're missing something. He said, um, you need to get to Jesus. You need to come to me. And he said to me, you need to get your church to come to me. And I just, I realized like in the midst of having a building, the threat is to think this is success. The threat is to think like we're going to get more worship and more prayer and alpha and youth and all these things and more people are coming like we filled two services on our first week. We're going to add services. The threat is that you would think that this is what we're supposed to do. Do church. We're supposed to meet with Jesus. And I felt a conviction like I've, I haven't taught you how to get to Jesus. Like you don't need a ministry team to get you to Jesus. You can get to Jesus. So in the beginning of this service, I felt like Jesus say, I want you to preach a sermon. I wrote it down called Just Get to Jesus. So, hey, I have a really good sermon I just preached. <laughs> so you can podcast that, okay? You're, if you're, we're live streaming, I think, both services now. And if you're, so if you missed the first live stream, go back and listen to that talk. And I, the reason I want you to is because there's so much work that will frame a, the story of God. But for you today, for this moment, the manna for this moment is I'm just going to open some scripture and talk to you. I haven't preached this sermon before, but maybe it's just for me to preach in front of you to hear the word. And I want to ask Jesus to speak to you from the word of God, okay? So Lord Jesus I'm so sorry, Lord. Oh, gosh. I'm so 
sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. Because it is all about you. So, Lord, I repent for feeling better when finances are up. For feeling better when more people respond. For feeling better when there's more likes and more encouragement, Lord. For feeling better when everyone's happy with me. I want, I want to be about you and that's it. I want my marriage to be about you, my fathering to be about you, my friendships to be about you and all the ways that I've just blown it, God, as a pastor and as a, I just ask for your forgiveness and I repent. And Jesus, as, as I lead with, in brokenness, I pray that you would... Um, God, that you would anoint the word for our church today, that we would get to you. God, make us hunger for you. Make us hunger for you, God, and never be satisfied for our career, never be satisfied for pleasure, never be satisfied, satisfied for idols, God, of, of popularity and fame. Never be sad, never look to church to grade it based on the performance of individuals, but God, come to you. May we come to you, Jesus, and you alone, God. Jesus, we want you, God, come. Come, fill this room, God, with your presence, God. We seek you, God. We want more of you, Jesus. Pour out your spirit on our church, God. We want it. We want you, Lord. Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the, the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life, come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Well, it looks like a bunch of people are looking at me, but I hope you look to Jesus. Um, all right, I'm going to try to preach. You guys can stay up here if you want to cry some more. Um, I'm, I'm not going to stop it. Just like, you know, we got some dancers in our church. I love Amy Colgan. Um, she's up here dancing. Some of you are judging her. Some... <laughs> Some of you are like new to church and you're like, what's up with the person dancing? You know what's crazy is I know her testimony. I know what it was like in the season of her life when she couldn't dance. 
So when she dances, it reminds me of what God's done in her life. It's like when I remember the first time my wife started laughing in church. It was uh, at Rock Harbor, and it wasn't a charismatic church at the time, and we were we were new, and uh, uh, the spirit came on Alex, and she, we didn't really know what that meant, and she started laughing. She's going through extraordinary pain, and she starts laughing, and we have to like they're doing announcements and they're laughing and she like has to like walk out and sit by the cross just giggling. And I'm like, what is going on? And then it happened again later in life and it was in a very dark season for her. And it was like watching my wife, you know, who struggled with all sorts of pain and past and things, watching her laugh is such a gift from the Lord. When you know what's behind the weird manifestations that can be weird to us, you just worship Jesus. So don't judge. Some of you need to start dancing and you're not being obedient to the invitation. Some of you are supposed to lay down and put your face on a cold concrete because God invited you to do that and you won't know what's next because you haven't been obedient. Right? It's, it's all over the place. God has, has these windows into encounter, but it's dependent upon how far you'll go. Right? So if you're not willing to go all the way, you won't, you won't get all the way encounter that he has for you. Like when you hold back, it's not that he's holding back, he's just meeting you where you are. The title of the sermon is Just Get to Jesus. Just Get to Jesus. There's a story. I'm going to go to the first one I heard him do. Mark chapter, uh, Luke chapter 7. Hey, I want to apologize in advance for the awkwardness of what's about to you're about to endure, but I'm just going to be obedient to what I sense. And I, again, if you want to judge me, judge me on the live stream from nine o'clock. So um, <laughs> this isn't for you. This is for Jesus. When one of the Pharisees, Luke seven seven verse thirty six, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Okay. This is going to be a quick Sunday. (laughs) As she stood up behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii. Denarii is a day's wage. 500 days worth of money. 
The other 50, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, no holy kiss, if you were there last week. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have, past tense, been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are, present tense, forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Just get to Jesus. This woman hears that Jesus is at Simon's house, or this, uh, sorry, not Simon, this Pharisee's house. And she takes off running, not to Jesus. She doesn't run to Jesus first. She hears that Jesus is going to a courtyard. He's going to sit outside, which is what you would do, a uh, a well-known, respectable person's house. There'd be a courtyard, and you would eat outside. And outside of the, the, the courtyard, people, poor people, were allowed to stand. They could never interrupt. They couldn't interact. They could never interrupt or interact. They stood outside hoping to get a, a, a morsel, a portion, a crumb of wisdom from the conversation at the table, maybe leftovers. She doesn't run to Jesus. She runs home. You think about that? She's not, I need to get to Jesus first. She goes home first and she gets the most valuable possession she has. It's her 401k. An alabaster jar of perfume was probably a dowry that was given to her by her family when she entered into marriage and she was probably divorced and she takes it out of the marriage, out of the divorce, and she keeps it so when her body is no longer to provide for the resources of the day, she will sell the alabaster jar of perfume to provide for herself in old age. Now she has her body. She's a sinner. Everyone knows who she is. She runs home first and gets the very thing that would be holding her back. She runs home first and grabs the thing that would keep her from full devotion, keep her from turning back. See, at some point she had an encounter with Jesus. This is not her first encounter. She knows about this man. And so she goes and grabs the most precious thing in her life. And I, I don't think she's thinking straight. I think this story, she's, she's crazy. She's outrageous. It doesn't make sense. Her reputation's already tarnished, but now it's even more. She's the one weeping. She gets there with this unthinkable gift and she sees this man and she begins to weep. What does weeping sound like? We heard it just a few minutes ago. It's not comfortable. What is weeping? It's the guttural expressions of some deep emotion that comes out. 
And that's what comes out to Jesus as she stands close enough to where she begins to get his feet wet. And this is what I think. I think she's not even thinking. I think she's got her perfume and she's, so, she's having this encounter and her tears. And she's like, oh my goodness, I got to wash his feet. What have I done? And she does the unthinkable. See, she's a sexual person, every human sexual. She's used, she only knows how to, how to offer her body to men. And she does a very sexual act. She lets down her hair. In that time, only husbands could see a woman's hair down. Or in an act. This was a sexual act. She didn't intend it as that. This is what she knows. This is what she has. She's washing his feet. This is the encounter she's having. And then while she's down there, she just pours out. She just pours her, she pours out her 401k. She pours out the memories of her past of a failed marriage. She pours out the betrayal, the rejection, the, the, the future that will keep me safe. She pours it out. The security that knowing that she can perform right now she can show up and have her reputation for what it is. Right now, there's something she can give for something else. As long as I have that, I can keep doing this. And she's like, no, it's all. It's all of me. It's my past. It's my present. It's my future. All at the feet of Jesus. And this is, a, this is the scene of worship. This is the scene of one heart set on fire, fully devoted to God, laid down at Jesus. And what do people think? I can't believe this man's letting her touch him. Why is this woman dancing? Only if they knew. What do they think? They judge the woman. They judge the woman. They already knew who she was. She's the prostitute. She's the town prostitute. And all of them see this and they can't see her. They see Jesus through the wrong lens. Because what does Jesus say? Do, Jesus has this interaction, right? He has this interaction. I love it. Simon, I have something to say. He, their, their hearts are judging this woman and Jesus confronts their hearts right? And what does he say? He tells them, well, there's this money, lots and little, both are forgiven. And the question is not about the money. The question, who will love the person that forgave them more? It's a question about love. The one who had the bigger debt. Awesome. And then he takes and he redefines this moment through, the, through a Christological lens, through the lens of Jesus. He says, and he's looking at them. I just imagine, you know, he's seated down, his legs are back. And he's looking at them. He says, do you see this woman? He's not looking at her yet. I mean, he's being touched and perfuming. They could smell the woman. I mean, I heard the woman weeping. I saw her when she came in, but I could smell her now. Yeah, we see this woman. And then he says, look, you didn't do these things, which was common practice. You didn't give me a kiss, holy... Holy kiss, guys, this is what happens when you miss out on it. Romans 16, 16. Whoever less loosens one of the least of these commands, I'm just saying, you're missing out. Get to Jesus. Um, so, he kiss, so she's kissing him. 
She anoints them. A custom thing that you would do is anoint your guests. This is a common thing. The only person that saw her was Jesus. And the truth is, the only person that saw Jesus who, for what he was was this woman. And this is what happens, right? What happens is it's the sinners, it's the outcasts, it's the ones with reputations, a sinful life. It's the ones who don't belong in the center. They're the ones that go, they got it. It's the centurion going, just say the word. You don't need to show up. Just say the word and my, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, that's actually true. No one has greater faith than this. As far as I can see, this Gentile Roman soldier has more faith than the people of God. The woman got to Jesus. And she got to him. She didn't get to him first. She brought everything. Laid it at his feet. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. That's the proper translation, past tense. Your sins have forgiven, have been forgiven, are forgiven. Can you think about this for a second? Who is it that can forgive sins? God. So these Pharisees are like, WTF, mate. I'm so glad we're podcasting the other one, and or both. They're, they're uh, confronted with the reality that this is God in the flesh. And nobody got it except the prostitute. And then Jesus says this beautiful line. He says, uh, he says, uh, Your faith has saved you. The word saved um, all throughout the gospel of Luke is, it means salvation, like to be saved, like, but it also means healed. And it says, go in peace, which is the Hebrew idea of wholeness. So I just want you to imagine this for a moment. The person that has the reputation that doesn't belong here comes running into our service during announcements. Just totally disrupts everything. We have a way of order. We have order and meets Jesus and offers the gift that doesn't make sense. And he says to this woman, um, go in wholeness. Think about what that meant for a person that, of her nature and her, her past. We're talking about a failed marriage. We're talking about identity problems. We're talking about this, the, the sexual sin and burden and trauma of what that profession did to her. We're talking about now this extravagant gift where her future is undecided. She's met with Jesus. She's going to go now in wholeness with, a different, with no job and no 401k. But the invitation that what, she, what Jesus proclaims over her life after an encounter with Jesus is that she has peace, she has wholeness, and she's been healed and saved. Just get to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. There's a story in Mark's gospel where 
Um, there's a couple of stories that I, I, I thought of um, where in Mark chapter 10, I've read this. Did you guys read in Mark this week? Hey, are you okay with this sermon? You don't know any better, but some of you were in the first service, and you're like, this is very different. It's slower paced. I like that, Darren. Less, less. Mark 10, um, verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, okay, check this out, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. He's in our town. He's coming in. Don't disrupt the man. Shush. And that made him shout all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him. He said, call him. So they called the blind man. Hey, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. You did it now. Look at what it says. This is so good. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak. What do blind men have to do? They have to wear a cloak. This is, I, this, is a, this, is a, this is a very strategic thing from the Gospel of Mark. Mark is letting you know this guy, um, he is a blind man. This is his identity. And how do you know not only is he blind, he has to wear the garment of a blind man. And he says, son of David, have mercy. He knows the stories of Jesus. And there's this chance Jesus is coming into town. He's making a mockery of himself. He's making a scene. Have mercy. He's wearing his cloak. He's sitting off in the corner with his cloak. They say, cheer up. He takes off the garment of his identity and goes straight to Jesus. Goes straight to Jesus. He doesn't need that anymore. He doesn't, she doesn't need the alabaster jar. He doesn't need an identity cloaked with some false sense of truth. He, he, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Have you ever thought about that question? He makes it to Jesus. You make it to Jesus. And the question Jesus wants to know is what do you want? Lots of you, you're like, like the idea of Jesus, but what do you want from him? If you were to figure out a way today to say the presence of God is in this room, it says he's here. His presence is available. Have you ever thought about the intentions and desires of your heart for him to meet with you alone? Yes, salvation. You need to be saved. Some of you have addiction. It needs to be broken. Some of you are oppressed by demonic spirits. You need to be set free. Some of you have physical conditions that are harming and you want to be healed. That's an obvious. Some of you have marriages that are loveless. You've become a roommate and you're longing for intimacy in your relationship. If Jesus was here today, would you go to him for that solution? You have financial crisis, your mom's in the hospital. Would you go to Jesus? Not just the prayer chain, not just the post, not just the, the, the side things, to Jesus, ready for him to answer. What do you want? I want to see. What does he say? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I already, I already let go of the cloak. <laughs> I'm ready, let's go. And I love what Jesus says. He says, go. This, by the way, how do you pray for healing? 
great, great prayer. He says, go. <laughs> this is true. Like when you teach people how to pray like Jesus, his prayers are not long and elaborate ever. They're, they're rarely long. John, John's gospel has some long ones. They're not, they take about 30 seconds to read. The Lord's prayer is like, what, 22 seconds? Maybe a little longer when we're waiting for you to figure out what the Lord's prayer is because you haven't practiced at home. Or you're like, is it the transgressions or sin debts? I don't know. That awkward liturgy where you don't remember, the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You're like, that's the Lord's Prayer too. This is all inner dialogue, by the way, for me. <laughs> Jesus tells this blind man. Blind man says, I want to see. He's like, go. Look what he says. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road, became follow. He followed him. So you stay outside because you can't see. Now the blind man is following Jesus. You just got to get to Jesus. I love the story where the woman has this idea that if she could just touch the, the, the robe of Jesus, she's been bleeding for 12 years, spent all of her money. If she, she's, she's gone to the doctors, she's gone to the, the psychics, she's gone to the yoga practice, she did the juice fast, she tried Whole30, keto, she tried all the various diets to fix. It did not work. She wasted her money. It didn't work. She's so desperate. Think about what that meant. She had to live outside of the city. She couldn't go to the temple and offer sacrifice. She had to live outside because she was unclean. That was her identity. She breaks all the commands, all the rules, all of the laws, all of the oral traditions, because she needs to get to Jesus. There's a crowd. There's a crowd. She's going to make them unclean. There's a crowd. She has in her mind, where did that come from? If I could just touch his cloak, just the, just the hem, just the little knot on the cloak, then I'll be healed. And what happens? She goes, she goes to Jesus. She gets she, she breaks all the rules. She goes to Jesus, and it says that Jesus felt the power go out of him. I was reading this week with my son. He woke up early. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark as a church. We're reading through the New Testament. And he's like, what did that mean? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. He's like, what would that have felt like? I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's like when we, we do this thing on the carpet, you know, and we shock each other. There's like, we felt a shock, a power, but he had this relationship with God when there could be innocent bystanders. But, but more importantly, this is what I love about this story, is that she has a creative imagination for her own healing. She has a creative imagination. She creates this idea. And now some of it's inspired from the Old Testament. But she's like, if I could just if I could just get close, just, just touch it. I've spent 12 years trying to be healed. And all, he, all I need for him is just a, just a little touch. Just get to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. I could tell you story after story of men and women in the scriptures that have crazy, crazy things, sinful life, I could talk about Zacchaeus who, who he just wants to see Jesus. He just wants to get tall enough because he was a short dude or some translations say, actually think that Jesus was a short dude. That's a whole other Greek thing going on, but you can save that for your Bible study later. It's not that he was a wee little man, but maybe Jesus was a wee little man, but that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to ruin your 
your concept of Jesus. No, he's 6'2", blonde hair, blue eyes. Yes, that, that idolatry that you have in your head needs to be redefined. Just kidding. It doesn't look like that. He's Middle Eastern with dark eyes and dark hair and dark skin. He spoke Aramaic. He's not, he doesn't wear an American flag. <clears throat> He's the king of kings and lord of lords. So you just got to get to Jesus. But Zacchaeus just wants to see him. And then he gets with, and then Jesus comes to him. And his whole life's turned upside down. Look, here, here's the deal. It's 1230, and I think we should worship. I don't know if the team's back there. I don't know if you're listening, guys, in the back. Um, yeah, babe, do you want to grab them? Um, what's great is that we already had a great service, so I, this is just, you know, extra. Um, but I guess all I want you to know is this. Like, that same Jesus who met with the sinful woman, who touched blind Bartimaeus, who, who went and dined with Zacchaeus, who healed the centurion's son, the same Jesus that moved over a nation in Wales in 1904 and 1905 with the Welsh Revival, or in Scotland during the Hebrides Revival, or as I just watched in the Jesus Revolution, he moved over uh, the entire world during the Jesus Revolution, the Jesus Movement. And, and we, we, if you haven't seen the film, I highly recommend the film. It was such a good film. I wept half of it. And I walked away, I was, I was with some friends and we spent time just talking about it, it stirred something in us. I'm probably gonna take my family um, because it was, it was just like what happens when God uses ordinary people who are broken and he just puts his finger on a moment and he just moves. And, then, and that Jesus is the same today. And the thing is this, this is what I'm watching, what I love about what's happening in Asbury and now it's spreading everywhere. What I love is that it's, it's, not some, it's not about a performance. It's not about LED screen. It's not about anointed teaching. It's not about anointed worship. It's about Jesus. It's about people getting to Jesus. It's about repenting from the idols and the ways of ministry and the ways we want the sexy, we want the funny, we want the good and the viral moments. It's about letting go of all all of those things in redefining your life to Jesus. There's this phrase in the New Testament, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And here's the thing about it. We've Christianized it, but in the first century, that was a direct assault against culture because it was first said about Caesar. Caesar is Lord. So when the Christians started saying Jesus is Lord, they're saying, no, Caesar is not. Jesus is. And we don't have a clever way to say our idols are not it, but Jesus is. The only thing we can do is repent. The only thing we can do is surrender those things and say they will no longer be the places I find identity. They will no longer be the places I find my future and my hope or define success. Jesus has to be that for you. So here's the punchline. Get yourself to Jesus. Find Jesus. Hold on to him. Worship him. Devote yourself to him. Let go of your, your resources for his sake. Let go of your calendars for his sake. Let go of your, your need to be cool. Are you kidding me? That we have to be cool when we worship? I was reading this week about, uh, about David bringing in the presence of God into Jerusalem and how he takes off his garments and he dances before the people. And what do you have? What do we have? People criticizing this act of worship. And his response is, I'm going to be even more undignified. So people that want to be comfortable in their worship, 
that's fine. I'm not going to pressure you. But at some point, he's going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone. You're like, okay, maybe. And the easiest place to do that is singing, posturing. What happens when he's like, get out of your comfort zone with your money, with your giving, with your home or homes or your table or your schedule or your job or the people you hire? What happens when he's like, sell everything and give it to the poor? Oh, I should have practiced being undignified and singing. Maybe he wouldn't go after my heart and giving. (laughs) So I'm warning you, if you don't get singing down, you're not going to get giving down. All right, this is all unbridled. There's a prophetic word. This fell out of my Bible. There's a prophetic word given to us as a church that this would become an eagle's nest, that this would be a place where we would raise up eagles in the faith, prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, pastors. We're going we're to raise up leaders in this church to carry the ministry of Jesus everywhere they go. That this would be an eagle's nest, a place where they, lots of, of people come and then are sent out. And the week we launched in the mag, uh, a, a paper that's connected to Seal Beach in North Huntington, in the Sun Magazine, there was an a article my, one of our elders sent us. It says, Eagle Visits Bolsa Chica. It's the wetlands right here. It was the same week we started our church. I'm going to say one more, and this is for this service, okay? In 2021, I had a word given to me from the Lord. I don't, I'm sharing this intentionally because I feel real relief that this is the time. I, I, I've had a couple of words that I would call prophetic, meaning that they're, they're future-oriented, and so, they're crazy. Like, I, I thought they were crazy when I got it, and then they, they came to fruition, and I was like, this is nuts. This doesn't make sense. This is not how I operate. I'd rather just not do that. Thank you very much. I was camping in 2021 in Oregon, and I saw this dry pond, and it was cracked. The cracks were like two or three inches deep. And as I was walking, I was grabbing water before bedtime. My kids were going to go to bed in the trailer. And I, was, I heard the Lord as clear as day that this is my church. My church is operating without my presence. He says, but I'm going to pour my spirit out. And he said to me this, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this, I've brought it to people I hold, I'm held accountable to. It's coming to you first as a local church. I brought it to the elders uh, when we moved into this space, place because you'll, you're going to, it's going to be weird. But he said to me, Darren, when it rains in California like it's never rained before, it will be a sign of my coming revival in California. So when we had our sixth atmospheric river in January, dumping, when this parking lot was flooded and you couldn't get to it basically unless you had a four by four, the weekend we were supposed to be here, January 15th, originally, the next week I got our elders and our staff and leadership together. I printed out this word and I said, I don't know what to do, but I think revival's coming. We need to pray. And so I just want to tell you guys, this is not ordinary time. And if you as followers of Jesus don't wake up and get to Jesus, you'll miss what God's going to do. I don't think you'll miss it like you're not going to see it. I think you're going to miss it that you're not going to be prepared for it. So prepare yourself by getting to Jesus. Father, would you just release a revival in our Southern California, release renewal in this church, renewal in our hearts. I pray you release your spirit, God, that we would stop trying to be cool or comfortable, that we would be the body of Jesus, we would be the body of Christ that would, that would get to you, God, that we wouldn't just expect people to have words for us, that we would come here, God, and meet with you every Sunday 
every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, God, that we would meet with you as a church. Release, God, uh, uh, within us the, the ability to see you, to touch you, to know you. I pray right now, God, release hunger in your hearts for an encounter, that you wouldn't satisfy, that you would be like Jacob, wrestling with God until he blesses you, that you'd be like the woman who just needs a touch, that you'd be transformed. Jesus, transform us. Marriages be transformed today in Jesus' name. Bodies be healed today in Jesus' name. I pray for the loved ones we want to come to know you, that there'd be a season of salvation and evangelism in this church and in this nation, you'd wake us up. So we worship you, Jesus. More of you. We get to you, Lord. We want to get to you.